Welcome to the Werewolf Den, where we do a deep dive into the core concepts and principles behind White Wolf's Werewolf the Apocalypse. I'm Amelin. And I am Ryan. Welcome back! So it's been a while, but we put out a little Twitter poll, and you guys got to choose this episode for today, which is Storyteller-Driven Plot versus Player-Driven Plot. So, with that... Let's first discuss what's the difference between the two. For storyteller-driven plot, we have a story that is just has the name described. The storyteller is the one that's driving the plot. The storyteller has a predetermined destination in mind for where everyone is going. You mentioned Ryan. Decent example, I feel like, with the whole notion of you can take any character that's more or less a blank slate and put this in, and it should ideally work, because the whole point of it is not character-focused, it's plot-focused. Yes. Whereas, player-driven plot, the characters are the point. And so, because of that, it's the characters that drive the plot. Storyteller, more or less, then has to kind of take almost a backseat or a reactionary role to what the players are doing. These are more or less the key differences when we talk about this concept. It's probably the most general episode we will ever make. Yeah, something that can apply to pretty much any system. But uh, yeah, one of the things that's nice about Werewolf the Apocalypse, and really all the World of Darkness games, is that they're much more player-driven. In your typical D&D, you know, Dungeons & Dragons sort of adventure, you make these milk toast blank slate adventurers, right? Your motivations and your character aspects don't so much matter as do, you know, the mechanics of what you do because you get this nebulous call to action where a mayor or what have you is asking you to deal with those monsters out in the woods. And you go and there's a dungeon and you deal with the monsters. Maybe you fight them, maybe you diplomatize, maybe you sneak around, but it's still sort of the same thing. Like you said, the storyteller is the one who is setting the plot and everything relies upon that. Whereas with player-driven, it's much more player-active rather than reactive. And because the World of Darkness is set in a version of the real world, and again, the lore is so exhaustive, right? There's so much to deep dive into, which is kind of why we're here. You have the option as a player to actually engage in the world without the storyteller having to tell you anything at all. You can come up with all of this stuff on your very own because it's the real world. You can genuinely ask yourself, what are your thoughts on Justin Timberlake? Does your character like his music? You don't need a storyteller to be like, oh, you know, in the dungeons in, in, uh, what is it? Faerun? In Greyhawk or whatever, who are the big musicians of the day? You know, storytellers generally don't think up that sort of information. And so players don't have the option to engage with those aspects of the world. With World of Darkness, you've got it all there, right at your fingertips, and it makes it much, much easier to be a player-driven game. Mm -hmm. So then, with those kinds of things in mind, one thing we do definitely want to get off right away is storyteller-driven plot is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Very frequently, like, we are player-driven plot storytellers, but we understand why (laughs) storyteller-driven works. It can be pretty high stress to be in a player-driven plot. And I very frequently come across people who are like, I'm not a storyteller-driven plot. I guarantee you a bunch of people are like, no, no, you can run D&D and be player-driven and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, calm down, calm down. It's not a bad thing to be storyteller-driven or DM-driven. DM-driven allows for players who 
don't know the setting too well, who maybe have kids and just view the game as a time to just relax and just listen to a good story. Or maybe you have somebody who's more mechanically minded and just really gets their fulfillment out of rolling dice. Perfectly valid way to play. Mm -hmm. D&D accommodates for that. For people, though, who want those deep emotional dives, you can get that with D&D. Absolutely. World of Darkness, though, kind of better built for it. And player-driven is better built for it. Mm-hmm. I remember a game where it was, it was Dungeons & Dragons. We were playing out of a module. And I had made this, like, hardened-by-the-world druid who is very aware of the fact that life is hard and sometimes death is just a natural part of things. And the overall story, the story-driven plot, or storyteller-driven plot in this module was that there are these cultists who are collecting all of these MacGuffin people and sacrificing them to perform this ritual to bring back a demon. Typical stuff, right? And uh, they needed these people alive. So I was like, all right, right from the beginning of the first dungeon, you get one of these MacGuffin people. And the big bad beholder is supposed to show up and not kill anyone in the party, but totally wipe the floor with the party, right? And take the kid anyway. And leave you for dead, but you all miraculously survive. So I was like, no, this beholder is going to kill us, but we can at least stop the ritual. I am going to kill the MacGuffin kid. And so I did. And uh, it completely destroyed the plot. Yep. But because the module requires that this go off, they still incapacitated us. And then they revived the dead kid and then put him in a cage and held him for this ritual and pulled off the ritual anyway. No choice that I made mattered. What was going to happen is going to happen. And it's one thing to be like, oh, this mega monster is going to show up and it'll kill you if you want to fight it. What do you do? That's one thing. But, you know, to run it this way is super frustrating. So this is one of the big disadvantages I feel with storyteller-driven plot is you can say it gives players a choice. And like I said, you might have the choice between bursting the door down and charging in or sneaking around or trying diplomacy. But in the end, the story is going to follow these pre-written beats. And if you delineate from any of that, the whole stack of cards falls apart. That's the big problem with storyteller-driven plots. Even if you temporarily delineate from it, if inevitably you have a goal to come back to, if you have a rail to derail from, you have a storyteller-driven plot. Mm -hmm. Freedom is good to have in any game, whether or not it's player or storyteller-driven. In fact, there's a reason why railroading is considered a bad term. Right. But freedom of choice doesn't necessarily mean that you have a player-driven plot. A player-driven plot would take, per se, Ryan's example of, well, shoot, now the cult is going to hunt you guys down, and they're going to find ways to either seek revenge or rebuild and recoup or do something. There's going to be a reaction to what happened. Right. Not a, oh crap, how do I get it back on the rails? Or even something like you find this MacGuffin kid. Now what do you do? Mm -hmm. Do you put him in hiding? Do you give him over to the Purple Knights or... Or some other good aligned organization that can protect them? Like, how do you respond to this action? A player-driven plot gives you the option to not even go into that beholder cave to begin with. Mm -hmm. One of the big things that I always like to say is, when you have a storyteller-driven plot, it's like you're building a video game. You have a point A and a point B to get to. 
And you can take all sorts of twists and turns, and inevitably, players will do something to break it. And your job is to put that wall back up and rebuild that code in order to make sure that that glitch doesn't get there. But there's a preordained point that you're going to. A player-driven plot, though, I always like to describe is like when you build a city out of Legos. You take a shit ton of time, you build it meticulously, and... You memorize it. You know every little detail of it. And it's a lot of work. It really is. Very frequently, I come across people who are like, oh, well, player-driven plots, that's just lazy. No, it's not. It really is not. You have to know your world and your setting and your NPCs inside and out in order to run player-driven plot. Uh, You need to know who's in what relationships. You need to know how each intricate piece is connected when you build the city. And then guess what? Come time to run the game, you bury that entire Lego city in a sandbox. And then your players come in, and they come in with all of their toys and all of their tools, and they start kicking around in that sandbox. And then you as a storyteller, you know where everything is buried because you've memorized that city. You know that Lego city to the very brick. Take those pieces, start rebuilding what they've kicked over, and start pulling up pieces in the sandbox because it's like, oh, you knocked over this part of the city. This part of the city now is compromised and it's going to come up and you're going to have like Lego darts flying at you. (laughs) They brought in their little Lego airplanes and are crashing it into things now. Guess what? You're going to now take pieces of their little Lego planes and start building it into shit that they broke down. That's what it's like to run a PC or a player driven plot. And see, I don't even think it has to be that sort of Tolkien-esque. It certainly helps to have that level of understanding about your world. And once you do, then it doesn't require that much labor, right? Because the players are the ones doing the thinking and the conceiving of ideas, and you're just reacting to it, which is far easier to do, I think, than sort of pre-planning out how all of these mechanics are going to work together to get you from, you know, the beginning to the end finale. But, like, for example, in the Near Realms episode, we had discussed... An instance in my LARP where I had just thrown out the Book of the Worm. Just, here it is, shows up in Chicago, uh, you find it, what are you doing with it? And this is again one of those advantages to the World of Darkness, where the players understood, like, all of these things about the world without me having to tell them any of it. And so they knew about the Abyss. And so they were able to act on that information. And at that point, it was just me going, oh, this is a really cool idea, What interesting things can happen from this to keep a story moving, to keep it interesting? And so it was entirely their generation, entirely player-driven. I had just thrown out this this toy. Here's the Book of the Worm. What are you doing with it? And the players can figure out something to do with it in that regard. And it built a lot of stories. A lot of characters got defined by how they interacted with this object. And so that's another example of a player-driven thing, where Mm -hmm. you're not sort of conceiving every single aspect of the world in sort of a J.R.R. Tolkien kind of fashion, but you're just throwing out Lego pieces Mm -hmm. just all over the place. Here's 10 Lego pieces every day. Let's see what happens. Let's see what develops from this. Mm -hmm. And players can look at a Lego piece and go, I I hate that Lego piece. I don't like the clear ones. I want something opaque. Oh, here's one that I like. It's a weird shape and I'm going to jam it into the abyss. And This happens. I made this. So yeah, it can also be run in that sort of fashion where you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. And the hardest part is when you have a really great spaghetti noodle and you throw it against the wall and all the players go, eh, I want that rotini instead. Damn, 
I wanted the spaghetti. But you can also then like pick that spaghetti up off the floor and be like, well, if you didn't interact with it the first time, then uh, someone else got a hold of it. Or this happens to it. And then throw that new piece of noodle against the wall. And then maybe someone will care about it. Mm -hmm. So you can always recycle these ideas by having sort of a natural development to the world where you don't have to interact with it, but that can have consequences of its own. Using then that whole notion then of just throwing spaghetti at the wall, say you do have that piece in a player-driven plot that you really, really want people to interact with. You really want somebody to pick up that piece of spaghetti. You really want them to? Give them multiple means to which they can pay attention to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Going back to my Lego City analogy, do you think I have just one road leading to a single building? No. If I want people to pay attention to that building, I'm probably going to plop it straight in the center of my city, and I'm going to have a fucking roundabout with multiple roads going into it, so that no matter where the player starts, eventually they'll come across it. And having multiple hooks attached to a single element that you want to use does wonders to build that Lego city. Mm -hmm. If I want a single Lego piece and I want you to pay attention to it, if I just sit there and throw Lego pieces at you, maybe I'll just frustrate you. But you know what? If I just, oh, I threw a Lego piece at you. You didn't do anything with it, but you're doing something with those Lego pieces. All right, fine. I'm going to take this Lego piece that I threw at you and I'm just going to plop it in right over here instead. Just move things around. That's the beauty of player-driven plot, Mm -hmm. is you can take so many of your little pieces and you can move them seamlessly, and it's beautiful. It's one of the things that makes it not easier than storyteller-driven plot, but is definitely an advantage, I would say, in my personal experience. Mm -hmm. Another thing to add to that is that in a player-driven game, you don't necessarily, as a storyteller, have to provide those Legos. The players can bring their own Legos. And again, this is another thing World of Darkness does so great with the backgrounds feature, right? That You can have mentors and friends and all of these things that you bring into the game without the storyteller having to do any plastic molding at all, right? And so you can have your own ideas and goals and things that you want to do. So maybe you want to start a nightclub or... You know, maybe you want to build a cairn, something we'll talk about next time. You can bring all of these ideas to the game, and then the storyteller is just establishing the setting for you to work in. And so, again, this is another thing where players can do most of the legwork for you as a storyteller, right? This isn't all put on your burden or your onus to deal with. One thing I will say, storytellers, that you can do to encourage players to have that mindset is when players turn in their backgrounds... Ask them questions that they do not consider. Like, read the backgrounds fully and completely. But inevitably, players will be focused when they build their backgrounds on one of two things. Events that happened in their past or important relationships that they have. And they'll just be focused on one of those two. This very frequently happens. So what you do then is you start asking questions about the other topic. If somebody gives you a very event-oriented background where I accomplished this and I accomplished this and I accomplished this, cool. Who helped you with that? Who encouraged you to do that? Who was your mentor throughout this? They don't have to still be around or, or still be on your sheet. You can even talk about musicians that inspired you down this path. Try to get them to talk about the sort of relationships and 
the exact opposite. If they give you a very relationship-oriented background, ask them about what did you achieve? What are you ashamed of? What are your phobias? Get into that who are you, not just by defined by who you know, but who are you by yourself? And get that intermingling of answers amongst them. The other thing that players, though, can do themselves in order to ensure a good player-driven plot? Talk to each other during session zero about your characters. And not just, don't just tell people, this is my character and this is who I am and blah blah blah. No, actually sit down as a group and come up with these characters together. You don't need to have special relationships beforehand or anything like that. You don't need to tell everybody each and every one of your secrets. But it helps so much to just sit down as a group and figure out, wow, this person is obviously on like a quest for vengeance. And consider how you can incorporate that into your own narrative. Even if not now, think about how your character would react to that and react to that in the future upon meeting this character. Have these ideas of the sort of expectations and the sort of stories your fellow players might be going for and help them achieve it. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think player-driven games do better is resolving character death. When you typically think of, you know, your storyteller-driven plot, it's, you know, you're all magic MacGuffins, you are the chosen ones, you are the, the beings of light who are going to oppose the darkness kind of thing. If one of you dies, the, the prophecy kind of like squibbles away a bit, kind of, sort of. Or you get sort of a gamer's darkness rising event where, you know, someone is just like, well, I'll just make a new character, it's the same thing, it's the same stats, same class, just his hair is... I will brown. hide behind the pile of dead bars! Yeah, that sort of stuff, which does not help with your theme or mood, right? It mm -hmm. completely destroys any drama or gravity that has been accrued so far. Whereas with player-driven plots, character death can be allowed to have its its impact, right? Because the players have been doing all of the actions, all of the choices, all of the big decisions were made by them. And so when they die, it's not, oh, you were the one who, who slayed 23 kobolds in the dungeon. It was, you were the one who decided to take this action. You were the one who made the initiative to perform this chain of events and get it rolling. Who did this great thing rather than just rolling dice. And it doesn't have to be something where you are a part of the game for very long. In my Scotland game, we had Ryan's cousin show up for a couple of sessions. And we knew he was going to be there temporary. So I talked with him and we... He settled out. He gave me a character. Ryan's character killed his character. I frenzied yeah. on him. He was, yeah, it's a long story. But Ryan's but. still feeling the repercussions of that event now because pack members are bringing it up. Mm -hmm. But the set remembers it and it's part of his character's story. And there's not any big plot distracting them from the fact that this happened. Mm-hmm. So even if you play a small role, it is a lot easier to have an impact as a player with that small role in a player-driven plot. Yeah, because you had all of this stuff going and happening mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, just being adventure number one. It's also, I think, easier to make a more meaningful character in response. 
again in your typical game it's all right so what i was a i was another prophesied person but i just now came of age or like uh, how is this gonna work whereas with a player driven you know you as the the player who's now responsible with creating a new character, you've got all of these events and activities, and you've seen even more of the world than, you know, you were aware of when you started. And so it's much easier to sort of go, all right, I know about the other people in the pack. I know how they work, how they operate, their relationships, their friends, their foes. I can work with all of these tools to try and make a character who is still meaningful to this group, which is much, much harder to do when you were just a bunch of yokel sitting around in a tavern drinking waiting for something to happen to you how do i make someone who's not just another stranger to this group and why would that group accept me yeah you don't have those sorts of problems in a player driven campaign Mm -hmm. lastly though i feel like the best thing that we can do is all of this sounds like a lot particularly if you are used to storyteller driven plot uh, if you're used to playing like a D&D out of a module style campaign, or if you're somebody who is just used to listening to the actual plays out there and you're trying to make that separation between, oh, those are performers performing for me using game as a tool for their performance versus an actual game. Mm-hmm. Player-driven plot will allow you to have that much more immersive experience that the performers give the impression for having, but it requires more work on your part as the player. Yeah. One of the things that I am going to tell you right now, it's useful for storyteller-driven plot too, but it's even more useful for player-driven plot. Take notes as to what's happening. Take notes. For one, your storyteller is going to be taking so many notes, and they've already have such a big world to keep track of. Having notes from an opposite perspective, or just even from a different perspective than theirs, helps your storyteller. It helps them understand the way your character is processing something, or if the characters are processing something differently. Take notes when you do the game. That is probably one of the biggest things I can push for. I would say if you're not going to do that, Be aware of the setting. Read the base book, you know, understanding that the Near Realms exist and they are resources that you can tap into as a player. Like I said, that was clutch for the Book of the Worms storyline. If none of my players had any understanding of the World of Darkness setting or Werewolf the Apocalypse, never could have pulled that off, right? They wouldn't have had the information to take that initiative. And as a storyteller, you can't just vomit information at people for 20 hours to get them to care. They're going to glaze over after 30 seconds. So as a player, at the very least, be aware of the, the setting and the elements within that setting that you can draw from. And again, the real world's always there. Yes. Always tap into that. Yes. When we say be aware of setting, we are not just talking lore. Because dear God, I disregard lore all the fucking time. (laughs) I think it's fair for a storyteller to disregard lore in their own tellings. But if a player comes and says, hey, in the base book, there's this near realm. I want to work with that. A good storyteller is going to say, awesome. Let's work with that. Absolutely. But uh, more to my point, though. You do not need to read book upon book upon book upon book. You do not need to know the most minute details that you can only find if you are somebody who is paid to do podcasts. You do not have to be the primogen or lore by night in order to be a proactive 
player in a player-driven plot. But if, per se, I set the game in Chicago or Cincinnati, it helps to just look up stuff sometimes about Mm -hmm. that city. Is it a tourist hotbed in a certain spot? Was there a recent big event that occurred there? Just keep tabs on little things like that. It always kind of makes me a little giddy when players will come up to me and be like, hey, this thing happened in real life and it happened really close by. Can we incorporate this? Yes! Mm-hmm. Dear God, yes, incorporate it. If you want it in that setting, I want it in that setting. Unless I put it out in my safety tools, I want it in that setting. If it will make you happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, another thing that I think is important as a player is not to be afraid or ashamed of failing. This is something I see happen a lot in player-driven games. And I think we can blame this pretty safely on modern video games. I constantly hear people say, like, you know, I'm playing an open-world video game, and I come to this situation where I have one of two choices, and I'll I'll go on YouTube, and I'll see what, you know, happens with either of those choices, and with that information, I'll make a more informed decision so that I don't offend this NPC I like, or so that I can get that piece of treasure that I really wanted. And uh, that's terrible in a player-driven game. Right? Because you need to take initiative. You need to make a choice. And the storyteller is the one who reacts. You can't have, what fetish am I going to get if I choose to side with the alpha instead of the set beta? Like, you can't think about that sort of stuff. And so long as you're comfortable being in your character's skin, I think that's not a problem. But for people who are accustomed to video games or storyteller-driven D&D-type settings, that's a huge hurdle to make because they're afraid that they'll take an action that will actually hurt them or the pack, and then they'll feel bad for it. And so long as you're doing it in good faith and in good roleplay, I think that's not a problem. Obviously, if you have those like antisocial players who just want to destroy the game setting, now it's a problem. But as a player, feel comfortable in roleplaying your character and making informed decisions from that perspective. Mm -hmm. If you are in a situation where... Say you need to convince the worm foe of something. You need to convince the worm foe to come on this fight with you or to allow you to go into this territory to fight or whatever. You need to convince the worm foe of something. You make your roll, you fail your roll. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. It is not. There are so many ways that you can run with that. The worm foe punches you in the face. Fine. I punch the worm foe back. And now we get into a brawl, and I do such a good job because, you know what, maybe I was more mechanically inclined to be a brawler. And so after the fight, the Wormful respects me a little bit more. And so they didn't convince me, but you know what? They're going to sit down now and consider, you know what, they made some really bad arguments, but they know how to hit. They're a good fighter. So you know what? I'm going to look into this myself, and then I'll come up with my own proposal as to what to do. Your storyteller, if they are a good storyteller, will not leave you hanging. Mm -hmm. They will not let your failure stop the story. No storyteller will do that. No GM will do that. So even if the result is not the result that you anticipated or your quote-unquote ideal result, a result will happen. And guess what? From that you can bloom a more diverse and beautiful story. Uh, You can also give up 
for lack of a better term, I suppose, or stop caring about a particular plot because something else has gotten your attention better or you feel is more important. In Amelin's Scotland game, one of our players and his background was a vampire hunter, killed a bunch of vampires. And so we found vampires in Scotland and... First one, we were able to track down, we killed him, or before we killed him at least, we like staked him and used mind speak to like bargain with him to let him think we'll let him go for some information. So we got some information on where a second vampire might be. We went there, killed that one as well. But after that, we'd uh, kind of exhausted some leads. And uh, the guy who plays the vampire hunter, he has trouble like conceiving plots and ideas and schemes and plans. He's really good at reacting. But when it comes to there are no immediate vampire leads, what do you do? He kind of freezes up and goes into analysis paralysis. And my character had other things that were sort of drawing his attention, things he wanted to focus on. And so when it got to the point where hunting vampires was no longer easy, uh, we just sort of put it on the back burner for months of the game. And guess what? They came back up. Right. And they came back up. And it's like, you know, we, we've, okay, they're starting to like feed in this area. We can act on that if we want to. But they haven't killed anyone yet. So that yeah, maybe they sort of learned their lesson. Maybe they're a little bit more afraid and being more cautious. And that's fine for us because there's Black Spiral Dancers. We should really probably be blowing up. So yeah, as a player-driven game, it's entirely acceptable to just go, yeah, I don't like that Lego you threw out. I don't want to play with that piece. Or, you know, th- these are interesting pieces, but I can't think of a cool way to put them together. They just look like a weird clumpy block. And so, you know, I, I don't want to play with these pieces. And maybe I'll find some more later that I want to put into it. And that's fine. It's totally okay to go, I don't want to do this little plot hook. I don't want to pursue this storyline because there's other things that I'd rather be doing. And I can drive plots in that direction instead. It's perfectly okay. And I think this comes to the kind of penultimate thing that I want to tell both storytellers and players, more storytellers. But when it comes to player-driven plot, there is a term in writing called kill your darlings. Be prepared to do that to run player-driven plot. We talked about how, okay, I really want them to pay attention to that piece of spaghetti I ran against the wall. Fine. I'm going to throw out all of these little hooks and stuff like that. No one's still biting. Don't take it personally. Because you know what? If you're running a good player-driven plot, they're already doing something else and having a ball doing it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's lessons to learn. And honestly, player-driven plot makes it safer to fail as a storyteller. Yeah. Oh, crap. This thing that I thought would be super interesting turned out to be super boring. Doesn't matter because the players found something else that they wanted to do instead. And I can run with it. I have a well-constructed world. I have a good reactive improv ability. I can run with it. One last thing I would like to say is uh, Neil Gaiman has a quote where, you know, someone is asking him how he constructs a narrative. And he says, you know, start off by writing out that narrative, and then when you're editing, make it look like you had this all planned out all along. Throw in the little signs that, you know, signal or cue in to what's going to happen, who foreshadow these events, like, and with a player-driven plot, you can absolutely do that. You can take what the players are giving you, and you can go, okay, and you can work that into the narrative. 
Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to have, like I said, this Tolkien-esque concept of everything that's going on. You can simply be like, all right, you've done like in the LARP I ran. I had players that wanted to go out hunting vampires. They're bored. They put their name on a board. They want to hunt a vampire. Okay, fine. You, you find a vampire, you kill it. I have other more important things I need to do. And people kept doing this. And I was like, all right, you've done this for five weeks in a row now. You're not finding anything. But, you know, the Camarilla... I had no Camarilla NPCs written up, right? But the Camarilla is aware that you're just running around like Batman killing vampires. So uh, there's going to be consequences to that. And, you know, I created NPCs now to negotiate with the Sept and to start running interference on these things and holding down the masquerade so that these players were wasting their downtime. You can't build your influence this week. You were running around pretending to be Batman and finding nobody. So yeah, you don't necessarily have to have all of these pieces constructed ahead of time. Just take what the players are working with, give them something, even if it's a dumb idea, give them something at first, but then require them to put in effort. And if they don't put an effort, hey, there's other spaghetti, other Legos that you can take interest in. And so that's sort of my advice for doing a player-driven plot as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Did we cover everything? I think we covered more than everything, yeah. <laughs> All right. Hopefully this was everything you guys hoped for with that little vote. And as Ryan mentioned, next time we will cover Right of the Cairn build. Mm-hmm. And since this is such a like broad concept, of course, if you have questions, like, by all means. Yes. This would work much better as a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a player-driven game. It works much better as a dialogue than as <laughs> an oration. Yeah. So, yeah, if you have any questions about the concept or the idea. Tweet it at us. Leave us comments. and Just, yeah. Yeah. We love hearing your guys' stories. Like, I go through and I just giggle whenever you guys just leave me little stories of, like, this is what my pl- character was. This is my experience. Even if you disagree with us, I love seeing it. Mm-hmm. Leave us the little snippets. We love it. So yeah, hope you'll join us next week for the runner-up in the voting poll on how to run Right of the Cairn build. See, See you then. then. Pentex is an indispensable part of any player-driven campaign. We're monolithic, we're everywhere, and you cannot escape us. Construction is underway.